hello everyone. It is announcement time here at church. So get ready. Okay. These are super important. I know your, your favorite part of Sunday mornings is coming in, wondering who's going to be on the announcement video, discovering that it's me and then being so filled with joy to hear the announcements from me. So here we go. Announcement time. Uh, a week from Wednesday, it's going to be January 18th at 6.30 p.m., is our Night Watch event. Uh, that's a night of ministry and prayer. Uh, it, it's a really nice, chill evening where you'll get prayed up, and uh, there, there's some acoustic worship, and that's a really good night to be at. So if you're interested, that's January 18th at 6.30 p.m. On the 25th, we're doing another jam night. That's a great night for our musicians and vocalists to come together and sing along to some of our favorite worship songs. So that's January 25th. 25th at 6.30 p.m. Uh, we'll have a baptism uh, next month on the 11th of February and all sorts of other cool events. Uh, keep downloading the app. That's where I got all this information from. Oh, there's also, there's a Bible study coming up Tuesday, 24th. There's a new women's group. Uh, it's called Abide. That will be starting 6.30 Tuesday evening for the ladies upstairs in the Jonah room. So ladies, you won't want to miss that Tuesday, January 24th, 6.30. Everybody got that? Cool. With all that being said, let's get ready for church. Woo! Hey everybody online, welcome. Glad to have you with us. We're getting ready to have another time of worship. It's been great and uh, looking forward to have you with that. Then we're continuing on the series we're doing called The Questions Jesus Asked. So this is really part one because last week was an introduction. We'll be in John chapter one today. So get your Bibles, get a coffee, get comfortable because here we actually really go now. Woo! <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is great to see all your faces and hear your voices. You guys sound very awake today, can I just say? So good job. Good job. I, uh, <laughs> eight o'clock service, I was just not quite there yet. And I said, God, we're so thankful to gather together and gather together. <laughs> so, okay, hopefully I won't do that today. I'm going to tell you guys what we'll be attempting to do this morning. We're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship, and we're just so excited and blessed to have Billy and Angie back from Texas. After, yay. See, we all missed you guys. After worship, um, Pastor Steve will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join him through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them off to their Sunday school classes, and then we'll have our time in the Word. We're uh, doing questions Jesus asked, and we're in part one, because last week was the intro. Um, and it was really good. I'm looking forward to you guys digging in. But before we do, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? We welcome your presence this morning, Papa. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for the privilege of gathering corporately. Papa, as we all walked in here this morning, we all carried things with us, our worries, our concerns. We have things weighing on our hearts today, God. 
Help us throw them down at your feet this morning. So we can come before your throne unburdened. So we can focus wholly on you. Because it's our truest desire to know you better, God. So we say yes. And we thank you for your faithfulness. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Almighty God, who wonderfully created man in your image and even more wonderfully restored him. Grant, we pray, that as your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, was made in the likeness of men, so we may be made partakers of the divine nature through your son, who with you and Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God forever and ever. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, whenever you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning, and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen? And amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into our time of worship together. And I'd just like to encourage us all to sing out and lift our voices as we elevate Jesus here in our midst today. We'll see the words show up on the screens. Yeah, you're all welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. Sing along. We just love you, Lord.
So, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence. God, you're good to us, Lord. You're faithful, and we love you, Lord. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. The Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children today. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them. You are good, Lord. 
And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. And hey, Dad, why don't you come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning. Come on in. Have a seat. There you go. Whoops. Good to see you. Find your way in. There you go. <laughs> All right. Very glad to have you here this morning, everybody. So, Pastor Georgina and Pastor Alice are still both under the weather, so you get me again. Okay, don't get under the weather. Don't get under the weather. Okay. I, 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 I receive that in Jesus' name, bro. <laughs> so, what you're going to learn in children's church is really cool, though. And uh, this is the verse that kind of lets us know what's going on. It's out of Zechariah. Uh, and in this verse, what God is talking about is that He's going to reestablish a kingdom, His kingdom, and um, we're going to be His people in it, and it's going to be really cool. And so it's a great prophetic word from Zechariah 13.9 that says, they will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. So that's a really good verse, all right? So I'm going to have you repeat that for me just as a group, okay? Can, can you do everybody do that? So uh, let's see, see this. Let's go. Uh, Zechariah 13.9. Zechariah 13.9. They will call. They will call. On my name. And I will answer them. And I will answer them. I will say. I will say. They are my people. They are my people. And they will say. And they will say. The Lord is our God. The Lord is our God. Good job. That was really good. You guys did awesome. So the children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And these are really cool stickers because... They're fruit stickers, and they smell like the fruit that they represent. So, pretty exciting about all that. <laughs> so, so they start to scratch up here, it smells like a fruit salad. That's what I'm saying. It's been my experience. All right, so let me pray for you guys, and then we'll send you off to Children's Church, all right? You guys ready to pray? Well, no, because they're comparing stickers. All right, I'm going to pray anyway. Lord, thank you. For each one of the children. Thank you, God, for all that they teach us about love and about faith. And I pray, God, that they would know you as their forever friend, as one who always hears and who always answers and who is always with them. And I pray your blessing on them and on their families now. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Good job, guys. Way to go. Enjoy your little stickers. And uh, obey your teachers, please. Learn well, have fun. That's what we'd like to see happen.
Welcome to the Vineyard. Good to see everybody. Glad you're with us. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to have you with us as well. So glad that you're here. Uh, two really quick little announcements before I get going. One, um, the Grief Share group starts back up tonight at 6 o'clock. And uh, that's a really good group. If you're dealing with loss in any way, you want to come for that. Dr. Lily and Jack lead that here tonight, starting up again, 6 o'clock. And, and so come be a part of that. And also, um, up in Marathon, I've lost sight of Henry, but you guys are here. We, uh, Henry uh, and some of the folks from Marathon started a little um, book club at the library up there on Fridays at 5.30. And they're, they're reading uh, Dr. Stanley's book, How to Hear from God. Is that what the book is? Yeah, how to listen to God, one or the other. So if you're up in Marathon, I'd like to be a part of that in the libraries at 5.30. Uh, and if most of you know Henry, you can ask him about that, or Tyler and Bethiah can tell you what's going on with that. They're up here, and that's in Marathon. Okay, so I wanted to make sure I mentioned those things. Pretty much everything else you should find on the app. And let's see, where's my, where's my clicker? Because I can't do this without this. If you're a first-time guest or visitor, that code that just popped up is for you. Point your smart device at it. And uh, you'll get a link to our digital connect card, name, phone number, email address. We'd love for you to fill it out. We will be sending you texts and emails for the next four or five weeks. Just know that's part of what happens. We also have gifts for all the first-time guests back at guest services. If you didn't get one on the way in, stop by there on your way out and pick up your gift. So that would be really good. We always, at this point in time in our service, pray for our neighbors. We do this every week corporately because I want to reinforce something that I ask you to do every day. Please be praying for the people that live around you. It is one of the most important ministries you will ever engage in. It's a ministry that everybody should be involved in, and it has tremendous impact. And so uh, uh, think about a couple of your neighbors, even now, and let's go to the Lord. Papa, we, we pray for our neighbors. God, we lift them up before you. We ask, God, that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways, that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us, God, to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, good job. So we're uh, in a series. We just started it. And so last week was an introduction because I, uh, New Year's Day is kind of a hard day to start a series because lots of things are going on and people were still on vacation and traveling and all sorts of other stuff. So uh, if you want to go back and watch the intro, you can, but we'll cover most of it and really launch the series from here. And it's called The Questions Jesus Asked because in the Gospels, the first four Gospels, Jesus asks a lot of questions. Uh, It's over 300 questions in the four Gospels. And um, he does that because questions are a great teaching tool. In much the same way that Jesus taught in parables quite often, he asks questions so that you have to dig in and engage with what's going on in order to understand what's being talked about. Because if he just gave you facts, you would dismiss them pretty quickly. And so Jesus didn't do that. He came and he asked questions to help you find the answers that you needed in your life. And uh, last week I did say two things that I would ask you to do. Uh, that, well, one thing I'm going to ask you to do and the other thing I'll tell you about that we're doing in the series. One of these things is that over the next, uh, it'll be about 20 weeks. So there's over 300 questions. Take a breath. We're not going to do them all uh, because I, that, that'd be six, six years worth. And somebody would get tired of it before then. I probably wouldn't, but somebody would. 
We're going to look at about 20 questions. What I want you to do, though, and as we do this, is we're going to have you, I want you to read through the Gospels, starting with John, because that's where I started in the series. And then I'll direct you as we go. Try and read four chapters a week. That's it, four chapters a week. But don't just rush through them. As you're reading, look for questions that Jesus asks, and then note them, highlight them, write them down, do something with them, so that you have a collection of these questions that are going along with this reading you're doing. And the other thing I want you to do is to, when you see a question, stop there and ponder it for a little while. Hang out with the question. You don't have to rush. There's not a whole lot of reading to do. If you hit a question, do it. In that first four chapters that we, I encourage everybody to read last week, from John 1 to John 4, there were six questions. Uh, this week, uh, I just told people, if you can, read John 5 through John chapter 8. You should find 15 questions. That's what you're looking for in that period of time. Highlight them, write them down. You might, your, our numbers might differ a little, depending on if we think it's one or two questions, but just figure that out. And as you read, kind of hang out with the questions. So uh, next week, we'll be in John 5, and we're going to look at one of my favorite questions ever that Jesus asked, do you want to get well? Uh, so that's, that's very, that's a, so anyway. And, and actually today is going to help us prepare for that one because that's what they do. You think about these questions that Jesus asked and it will draw you closer to him. That's my hope. As you're reading the scripture, that you slow down and that you, you read it in such a way that it's drawing you closer and closer in your walk with God. And so you look for the questions. And just because somebody else answers a question doesn't mean that you can't ask it. He's asked you. See, that's how I see it. He's asking me that question, and and I want to deal with that question, not just what was going on with the answer. So, we have that going on, and uh, the other thing that we started, just quick, quick, I'll tell you about this. Was I wanted to? Um, I've been praying about how to connect uh, in this time because culture has changed so much. Um, the the online people that we have, which is a significant number, a lot of people watch us online from lots of different places all over the world. And the people who attend uh, as, as often as they can, and even the people that live in the area who don't attend but watch us online. Is there a way that we can um, connect and sort of grow together? And so what I've come up with in, a, in an attempt to work on that is a thing that I call the Vineyard Postscript Group. Uh, P.S. is what you put at the end of a letter, right, when you want to add a little stuff. It's going to build around the weekly, weekly message, and then if you sign up to be part of the group, uh, all virtual, it will take it a little deeper. And it's, um, it's kind of fun. And there's, it can, lots of different levels. So there's plenty of exercises if you want to do them and disciplines and things to do throughout the week, but you don't have to do them all. But we'd love for you to engage in some of the questions and comments that are going on. And my hope is that you'll start to go back and forth with one another in the comment area and do that. So uh, last week we had 50 people join up for the group and start the process. It's all online. You have to, on the app, it'll tell you how to do that. And there's some videos to watch and you got to get a username and a password if you want to comment. But I thought it was cool. So four countries so far and 12 states. So in our little group. So just something to work on. If you want, you don't have to, but it's there for you. Uh, just sort of, uh, we're going to give it a whirl and see how it goes. But I'm having fun with it already. Now I need a sip of coffee before I do bad jokes. Okay. So, uh, I asked an employee at Winn-Dixie the other day when I was there where the dental floss was. And he said, I'll see. And he walked off. And then I didn't see them, didn't see him again. I was like, well, that's weird. And I was doing a little other shopping. And I saw another employee. And I, I went over to her. And I, I asked her. I said, hey, um, where's the dental floss? And, and she said, 
I'll see. And then she walked away too. And she never came back. And I said, this is the weirdest thing. I don't know what's going on. And then finally I found the dental floss all by myself in aisle C. How long does a jousting tournament last? Until nightfall. I'm skipping two really bad ones. Oh yeah, I'm really, I'm really into this new band. It's called um, Cellophane. It's mostly rap. I don't know. Normally I'd have my, my lovely bride come up and uh, help me with this, but... Um, She's got a, a cough that's very persistent, and so she, she doesn't want to come and be coughing all over everyone. But it was kind of, so a little, little funny background, kind of. Um, earlier in the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, she actually lost her voice for a day or two. And so, uh, and then I'm not, I don't hear like I used to anyway. And so communication kind of fell apart in our house, and it, it, it almost, you know, it reduced itself to sign language. I only know... <laughs> I only know two signs and one of them I can't use. So, that was our day. <laughs> All right. If you are uh, able, would you please stand for the reading of the word? I'm going to read out of Revelation 21. One of my favorite passages, as most of them are, beginning in verse 1. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven... And the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So I know that there's not a question in that passage, but we'll tie that into the message here in a little bit. So in, in the intro, one of the things I said about these questions that Jesus asked is he asked different kinds of questions. Some are rhetorical, which means uh, he's making a point with them. They don't, there's not really an answer. Uh, some are very challenging, where he sort of calls things uh, into, like, what are you going to do about this? Um, other questions seem a little silly maybe at the time, and then you, as you explore them, you find out they weren't silly at all. But uh, a large number of these questions are what I would call open-ended questions. And so the, the first point that I want to make is just to talk about the beauty of an open-ended question. See, because the answer to an open-ended question isn't obvious or implied, um, this, this type of question encourages us to engage and to think. Uh, and here's the other cool thing, is that our answers to these questions will actually change over time. 
That's what's so cool about them. So as you work through these questions that Jesus asked, the reason I want you to keep a little list or be able to find them again is that every so often you should go back to the questions and hang out with them again and you'll find that you, you know, you, you're continuing to grow and press in and learn and your answers will change a little bit. That's why it's so amazing, I think, that these questions that you can look at and hang on to uh, just keep helping you grow and press in and and if you'll, if you'll read the Bible like this for this time, I'm always telling you read your Bibles, right? Um, if you'll just take this next 20 weeks and hang out in, these, in the Gospels, slowing it down, four chapters a week, four or five, and really hanging out with the questions, I believe you're going to come away from it feeling more in tune with Jesus, closer to Jesus. I really do. It's going to draw you in because you're hanging out in, in like a real relationship. That's what people in relationship do is they talk and they ask questions and they answer questions and they consider and think. And uh, that's what he wants you to do. And, and so you'll find that most of these questions are open-ended, which means you can revisit them and you should revisit them and go back to them. Last week in our intro... We started with a question in John 1.38 uh, out of the NIV. Uh, and the question is powerful in that it says, what do you want? And, and then I, I continued from there and sort of worked you through how I spend time with that question. And that my own answer that I come up with uh, that sort of finds rest in my soul is that, Lord, I want what you want. Um, and that I feel like plugs me into doing the next right thing and listening and doing all those other things. But let's look at this question. Uh, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And uh, I kind of laugh at their response. They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? And the reason I poke fun at that a little bit is that this whole thing, uh, you know, the writer, the Gospel of John, John, uh, he, the apostle, he has really let people know who Jesus is in the first half of the chapter one. You know, he's, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. He's, he's the one who comes and, and made his dwelling among us. You know, fully God, fully man, in the flesh. He's the light of the world. That's the buildup. And then just before this, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God about Jesus. So th- th- this, these guys, when they see Jesus, they start to follow him. And so this is the one that asked the question. The one who spoke everything into happening. Think about that. He says, Hey, what do you want? And they go, Um... Where, where are you staying? <laughs> I just think we want to do better when the questions are asked. So let me think about that for a minute because, wow. So um, we looked at that last week, and it's an open-ended question. You should go back to that. Well, I want to look at that same verse again, believe it or not, today. But we're going to look at it in a different translation because it's certainly allowable that you do that in this language. And it actually sort of changes the way that you ponder the question. And I think that that's something we should be doing as well. And so in much the same way that the question can be translated, what do you want? Very appropriate for it to be translated, what are you seeking or looking for? And it may be that it makes more sense translated this way in light of the answer. So look at it again. This is in the English Standard Version. Verse 35, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Now look, Jesus' response makes sense with what are you looking for. He said to them, come and you will see. So it's, it's a good way to look at this question. So they came, sorry he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Now that question, or a slight variation of that question, happens at least four times 
in John's gospel. And it sort of opens John's gospel. And we'll see in a moment that that question or variation of it kind of closes the gospel. So uh, I have this thought that the entire letter, the gospel of John, um, this question is a huge part of it. It kind of gives you a direction of, of what John is going after as he writes it, as he's trying to answer the question for people, who or what are you looking for? Because it's that significant of a question. And so he uses that question there. That slight variation besides what are you seeking is who or whom are you seeking. That's the variation of the question. It's very similar. That question comes up, and and Jesus uses it back to back in John chapter 8 when uh, a band of soldiers come up to uh, arrest him. Uh, Look at this, John 18, 3 and 8, 3 through 8. So Judas... Having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Now, let me encourage you, um, when you're reading the Bible, uh, don't don't make it something that you have to rush through. I actually want you to slow down as you're looking at the questions and engage your holy imaginations. And let me explain it. God has gifted you with incredible imagination. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing blessing because God, creator God, we, in his image, he, we're creative. He puts that... Siri, I don't need you right now. She just looked up blessing. On the... Every now and again, she comes out of nowhere and says, good job, you stood up. And then we go, thank you. No one else ever congratulates me for standing up, ever. But she does, faithfully. You did it! She's really excited, too. Yay! Good for you. (laughs) Okay, so your holy imaginations. So, um, read the scripture and and try and think about what it looks like. Get a picture of what's happening as you're reading it. Like, that's very descriptive, right? It's nighttime, and these soldiers come... With lanterns and torches and weapons. You can probably get a pretty good picture for that, right? And if you don't think, oh, I don't have much of imagination, here's what most of you, what most of us have done is that we've taken our holy imaginations and you know what we use them for? Worrying. And you're so good at worrying. And you can imagine, you can imagine hundreds of things when you worry and outcomes, possible outcomes and how you're going to deal with them. And all that energy is going to things that, you know, most likely will never happen. Take, just take that, some of that energy and let's use our holy imaginations to get into the scripture. And, and so you, so get that vivid picture. It's nighttime and they're coming to arrest Jesus and they got, you know, weapons and torches and lanterns and pitchforks, whatever else you got, the swords, all those things going on. And then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? That's the question. And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, that's the kind of stuff you should imagine, because this is the one who spoke everything into being, and he's using I am. And when he says, I am he, I don't think he went, oh, I am he. It was like, I am he. And they went, (gasps) boom. I think that's cool. That's why he's got to ask the question again, because they have to stand up and dust themselves off. And these are the guys with the lanterns and the weapons and everything. It's just Jesus standing there. And and he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, "Uh, Jesus, I guess, of Nazareth is what they told us. And he said, I told you, I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. 
So, so this, this question, you know, it's, it's powerful. What do you, who are you looking for? What are you looking for in your life? He asked it again later on towards the end of the gospel, right after the resurrection and in the encounter that he has with Mary. Uh, this is John 20, the verses 11 through 15. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. Now, let me tell you, I, I want, really want to unpack this passage right now, but I'm going to wait because we'll go after it on Easter. But there is so much going on in here that it's because John was so good about connecting Old Testament stuff with what's actually happening. And there's these huge pictures that he's painting. And we'll come back to that when you discuss it. Easter will be here before you know it. Got you. Now, they'll be, oh man, we got to make sure we put it on the calendar. The angel said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, well, they've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they've laid him. And having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. This is very cool stuff about resurrection bodies and that they, they, they know, they, they get that it's Jesus, but not right away because he's different. That's really cool in that, that there's recognizable, but different because it's a picture of, he's the first uh, of the resurrected bodies and we got those coming too. So it's really going to be cool. And Jesus says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. So when you slow down in your reading, there's that little phrase there that might seem innocuous, um, like, oh, why did they throw that in? Supposing him to be the gardener. Why is that there? Well, it's there for this reason, that um, the first Adam, Jesus is known as the second Adam, okay, in the scripture, the first man, the second man, the first Adam, well, he was a gardener. If you think about it, that was his occupation as it was to be for all of us. He was the first gardener because God said, you're going to go and take care of the garden. And remember that all of us, you know, in God's original intention and design, he made this planet because he wants to dwell with us here. And he made Eden perfect and the rest of the planet good. And we were going to partner with God and make the rest of the planet like Eden. God is gardening. You know, that's kind of how it looks cosmically. Well, because of the fall, what Adam does is, the first gardener, is that Adam turns his garden into a grave. But Jesus comes, the second Adam, goes to the cross, defeats sin, defeats death, and rises again. And what Jesus does is he turns his grave into a gardener, into a garden. He's a gardener. He is. It's a perfect statement. It's a connection statement. It ties it all together so that you can see what's going on. That's what John is doing. And so there's, there's all these things as you read, and it's tied into this question, who or what are you seeking or looking for? And so that's sort of quickly what we're going to ponder now and what I'd like you to think about all week. Who or what are you looking for? And the power of these particular questions, I think, these are open-ended questions, so what I think they do is they really sort of put us in touch with our deepest longings and, and recognizing what they are and what they mean. And, and once we get a hold of that, I think we'll stop turning to things to try and fix those longings that aren't Jesus. And that's a significant part in our growth. So, so what is it that we're looking for? I don't, I don't even know that we always know. The only, I can equate it to this, and I, I hope many of you will get this illustration. Um, have you ever wanted something, and you've gone to the refrigerator, and you're not really sure what you wanted, and you've opened the refrigerator, 
and you've looked and you've pondered what is it that that you're what is it that I'm really looking for? And you know, if if you're like me, you see something, you think, well, that might be good, but I don't really feel like having to use the microwave for two minutes. That's how fast time is going nowadays. Or that cucumber would probably be good, but I have to wash it and slice it. <laughs> That's way too much work. And, and you're, you realize you're standing there with the door open and you think, well, I, I, that's not good. And so you close the door and you keep standing there for a while and then you open it again hoping that something is going to pop out to you. Because <laughs> you know you want something. You're just not sure what it is. I think that's what life is like. That, that we'll wrestle with something because there's something there. There's a longing that we think, wow, I wish I could satisfy that longing. And so we try this and we try that and yet still never really satisfied. And so pondering this question for years sort of uh, led me to this thought. This is my thought in what am I looking for? What am I, who am I seeking? Um, and, and put me in touch with that longing. And I realized that the longing that I'm experiencing is really this longing for new creation. We're back to what I read when we started. It's, it's a longing as a believer in Christ... I'm a new creation, and I know that my eternal life has begun, and Holy Spirit is in me already as a deposit guaranteeing all these cool things that are coming, and yet waiting is hard sometimes, because there's so much mess and chaos still, and it's difficult, and, and I know this is coming, there's a new heaven and a new earth, the first heaven and the first earth pass away, no longer any sea, and I, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Um, prepared as a bride, beautifully just for Make sure you read it. That's the end of the book. That's what we're heading towards. Heaven and earth connect once again. New Jerusalem comes down. Earth is renewed, restored, recreated. We're going back to what God intended in the beginning. Uh, and now all the mess is dealt with and we get new physical bodies and we're going to hang out on this planet forever with God. Perfect. I try to use my imagination sometimes to figure that out. And I, 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 my imagination isn't, isn't good enough yet. What's it going to be like? Because creation is pretty cool the way it is, and it's flawed. You've never seen it perfected. None of us have. And we get to hang out with it restored and, and what God always intended. And there's a longing for that. And I, I heard a voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, fully engaged. Holy Spirit's a deposit of that process. But God himself, we're going to experience Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a completely different way when this happens. And uh, he'll dwell with us and we'll be his people and God will be with them and be their God. And he's going to wipe every tear from their eyes. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. No wonder we got some longings. Because we know that. If you're a believer in Christ, you know that that's what's supposed to happen. The old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne. I make, I'm doing it. I'm making everything new. I'm doing it. Amen. Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Write it down. Write the whole thing down. But write it. He's doing it. Write it down. You can hang on to that when you need to. And so what I think happens is that most people don't get that this longing they're experiencing is a longing for new creation. And rather than just embracing it and understanding it, that we only get it in part right now, you, you try and fill it with other things that aren't good for you. And, and there's no life in those other things. So, some of this we just have to deal with the fact that even though, and this is amazing, don't get me wrong, 
you come to know Jesus, and you've got Holy Spirit in you, you know, deposit guaranteeing everything. It's as cool as it gets right now. But there's still this chaos that whips around us that just comes with the package for now. You just have to accept that. And that way, when, when something happens, every broken thing, every failure, every mess, every tragedy, instead of taking it personal, you just realize it's, it's part of what you're waiting for God to completely fix. And you don't have to try and make it your life's purpose to fix everything that's broken. Some things are just broken. You engage and you press in and you do what you can. But you, there's a peace that comes with that that will settle your soul and will also keep you from turning to things that will not satisfy. And that's where we begin to find life. Everything is broken here, including us. And that's just part of the deal. So, so don't focus on a mess. Don't, don't get that thought in your head. This is a, a place where people get stuck. That, Because uh, this always seems to happen. You, you get this series of thoughts and you think, if only all these things were worked out in my life, everything would be great. And, and you get very close to that at times. And then it falls apart. And one of two things normally happens. Either you, 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 because you take it personal, you get mad at God. You think he's doing it to you. Or that you're being punished is the other thing. And neither is true. It's fallen world, broken planet stuff. It's just part of it. Because it won't... It's this side of what I read to you in Revelation 21. It's good, but it's not perfect. And we have to hang on to that understanding that, that what's coming is way better. And, and in the meantime, we've got the best deal. We get a taste of the banquet, but we don't get the full banquet. And I think when we settle in that, for me, there's life there. Because I go, oh... There's that, there's that longing. I don't have to fix it. It's just part of my life. There's a longing there. There's lots of good things going on, but that's, I don't need to go and stand in front of the refrigerator. <laughs> Although I probably will anyway, but I don't have to. Do you get it? Let me close you with a quote. This is from uh, Blaise Pascal, this quote. I have it in two ways. I have how he actually wrote it, and then I have the paraphrase that most people know. He was a French philosopher, 1600s, and a mathematician, pretty, pretty sharp guy. So this is what he writes. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace? And this he tries in vain to fill with everything around him. Seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help. Since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. I think Pascal was looking at this same question. And this is what he responded. No, most of you, if you've ever heard of that, you may know this, the same quote by this. This is a paraphrase of the quote that's become popular. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. And that's at the heart of it. So listen, ponder that question. Ask, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? You know, maybe, where are those areas where you've been trying to fix stuff in your own strength or where you've been turning to things that will never fully satisfy and that only leave you unhappy and, and further away from where you want to be? And, and just press into the Lord, right? That's what this whole series about you pressing into Jesus as you take time in reading his word and just hanging out with it. Let Holy Spirit illuminate it to you and press in and grow with him because that's where we find life. Good. 
Ministry team, those of you here, want you head over the wall. People on the way over there are here to pray for you. Let me say this to you. Um, this amazing life starts by knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he's done everything that needed to happen. It got worked into its messenger. He's gone to the cross. He defeated sin, the power of sin, the power of death, rose again. And uh, in him, there's a way for us to be reconciled to God. Our only part in all of this is receiving the invitation that he gives us, responding to what he says. He's invited us into his story. And we do that by acknowledging our need for a Savior and saying yes to Jesus. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? Now, don't hear me say that so often that it's not sinking in because there's, there's people that you're just, you're on the edge, you're on the periphery, and maybe your whole life you've been hanging around, uh, but you've, you've, you've not engaged at that step. You've just never said, yes, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus. I realize that I need you, and I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you, do that today. It's absolutely the best decision you will ever make. Here in the room, watching online, Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? And that changes everything. And I also want to say this. As I was speaking, maybe for some of you, a realization came that... um, you have been turning to something to fix a longing and that what you're turning to, you know, is never going to give you life. And I, if that's you, listen, I just want to pray for you that, that the resurrection power that resides in you because of who you are in Jesus Christ, that you would just understand that you have the power to break yourself in his name free from whatever that thing is that's got that hold on you, that's pulling you in a wrong direction. And I ask God right now that you would just bring release to people in the room that are stuck in those places, God, and set them free to live for you. So God, just set them free now, I pray in Jesus' name. And I, I hope that if you needed that, you grabbed a hold of that. And if you need more, go ask somebody here in the prayer room to, uh, or in the prayer wall to pray for you. But... Uh, Good stuff. Next week, John 5, do you want to get well? Another, it's another amazing question. I love that question. But uh, let's do this because that's what's next. Thank you, church, for your amazing generosity. Partnering with you is so cool. And uh, you, you allow so many neat things to happen. The food truck was out Saturday. Uh, yesterday up at Sombrero Beach, Pastor Fran took the food truck out. Tough job he has. He has to go to the beach and give away ice cream and coffee stuff. But somebody has to do it. And he engages in so many cool conversations with people because it's so non-threatening and you're blessing people with free ice cream and coffee because you guys make that possible. But their prayer uh, from their food truck, and I wanted to clue you in and get you some of your praying, is that, is that a, a thousand people will come here at some point in response to having a contact up in Marathon or in Key West or in Big Pine, wherever the truck is. Would you be praying for that? It's, I think it's a huge prayer, but it's a good prayer. And uh, that, that we have people respond to that all the time. So, um, very cool. Thank you for that. I did that, right? Okay. And this is the last thing, doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Have a great day. Get out there and maybe catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Have fun. Love on each other. Be kind to one another in a parking lot. It's a little busy out there. And uh, what an opportunity to practice patience. Bye, everybody. These doors are open. Thanks for watching online. Love you guys. And I hope you have a great day wherever you are. Next week, do you want to get well? Great. John 5, one of my favorites. Read up, and uh, we'll see you very soon.